0: and welcome to episode 198 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox, with me in Vienna, Virginia, Ben Olson. Hey Ben, I have to apologize for uh, Tuesday morning snafu. I'm considering your apology, yes? No. <laughs> <laughs> for the listeners, I on Tuesday morning I was traveling, I was at my buddy's place in Lake Tahoe. And I had had a wonderful day on Monday. We got this invitation to go out on a friend of a friend's boat. And we did a full lap of Lake Tahoe in this like 1961 wood sided powerboat. Wow! it was, it was nuts. I boy, I've been to Lake Tahoe before, but I've never been on like a lap around the lake on a powerboat. Yeah. And, um, that lake is gigantic and spectacularly beautiful and it was just this like i didn't even know what planet i was on and uh so then on tuesday morning i just didn't answer the bell <laughs> ben was waiting for me to record the podcast <laughs> and i was just like didn't know what day it was hadn't looked at my email like did nothing just full-on vacation mode so uh we had to reschedule so i do apologize for that ben no
1: worries the funny part was i texted you and then i think I didn't hear back. And then, and then I just got like this normal everyday email, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is what I'm thinking. I'm like, wait, what,
0: what's he doing? Oh, so I had, I did get up and was like doing, I just like was checking my email. I was probably just drinking coffee and like, sort of like, all right, well, let me clean up some of these emails. And they're like, Oh shit. I forgot. (laughs) It's Tuesday. Well, I did look it up, Ben. Um, I had to try to find our, I was telling friends about it, the story, and I was kind of laughing about it. And I was like I just. I like to be reliable, you know, I like to answer the bell and, um, I had to look it up and we are now over the five year mark, Ben. I don't know if you realize that, but we started the podcast sometime in 2014. Oh, okay. And, uh, I think that was the first time that I completely spaced on a, on a recording. We've had other Snafus along the way, but I think that's the first time that I absolutely forgot about it, uh, a show. So I get, do you give me once every five years? I can do uh, that? of course, yeah. I'm sure I've missed yeah. more than that. So <laughs> no, I don't think you ever just like straight forgot. <laughs> We've had technical difficulties and other things along the way, but uh, that was that's a new one. Okay, today on the show we uh, we're gonna update you about the new LSAC retake policy. Very overly complicated retake policy from from the LSAT. Yeah. We are going to review somebody's personal statement, and we're going to dive into PrepTest 71, which is now free on LSAT's website. So we're going to do a logical reasoning question from uh, PrepTest 71. Hopefully we can get through all that. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, hopefully so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. This episode is going to air on June 24th. That is going to be three days before the June scores are released by email. July 15th is the next LSAT. That's the transition test, half digital, half written, or half uh, pencil and paper. August 1st is the last day to register for the September LSAT. Want to make sure you keep an eye on that. Of course, the July scores are not going to be out until after, well after August 1st. So August 1st is the next, uh, date you really need to worry about to register last day to register for the September 21st LSAT solid seven weeks (laughs) in advance that they want you to register for that September LSAT email the show anytime help at thinkinglsat.com send us your selfies when you do that so we can post your face on our social media remember you can listen to the show in a bazillion different ways including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, com. Leave us a review when you do that, please. Subscribe and review, please. Demon updates, Ben?
1: Yeah. So a couple things. One, if you haven't seen it yet, when you log in, You can click on billing and upgrade to premium premium is $100, $195 a month. And that gives you access to all the modern tests
0: above. This is lsatdemon.com, by the way, if you have no idea what we're talking about, lsatdemon.com is uh, our online LSAT prep platform, and you can do a free trial seven days. So, yeah, you can uh, get access to the most recent tests
1: and some of uh, the more obscure tests like A, B, and C If you subscribe to premium, yeah. So just go to billing and do that if you want to get those tests. Also, we continue to work on the proctored tests feature this morning. We were giving, so right now what you can do is you can go into the demon, you can click on timed tests and you can just sit down and take a full time test at any time from your computer or laptop or tablet, phone, whatever, but if you want to take a test like you're going to take a test on the actual test day, in which case the proctor will control your timer and all those things, even when you're taking it digitally, we've created that functionality. And what happens is you go into the time test and you click on join group and you join an active test that's going on at that time and the proctor will control your timer and all those things. Now we're going to try to host one of those, right? Hopefully on Sunday, June 30th, if we
0: can. Yep. Sunday, June 30th at, uh, 1 PM Eastern 10 PM, uh, 10, 10 AM Pacific. Just email help at thinking LSAT to RSVP for that. We've got a limited number of spots, but I've, I'm optimistic. I think it's going to be awesome. You'll get an invitation to a Zoom meeting, so you'll, you can see the proctor and you can see the other people who are there sitting, waiting for the test to start. You'll be able to talk to the proctor, talk to the other students if you want. Then the proctor will take control of your instance of the demon and start the test for you and run through all the sections. Ben and I will be there at the beginning of the test just to sort of say hi to everybody, so please come say hello before the test. After the test, we'll leave the Zoom group open and then people can review the test together if they would like.
1: Yeah. And this will be a five-section test. So you'll get three sections, a break, and then two more sections. We'll insert an experimental section in there, which will just be
0: another official test section from another test. But yeah. So. Yeah. So that's for Demon subscribers. Well, I guess, and Demon free trial users, hey, uh, sign up for your seven-day free trial right before, what's the date again of that test? June 30th. June 30th. So mm-hmm. if you sign up on, well, by the time you hear this, you'd be able to sign up for a free trial and RSVP for this uh, virtual proctored test if you would like. Um, so that's all at lsatdemon.com. Again, please email help at thinkinglsat.com if you want to RSVP for the Sunday, June 30th. 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, proctored practice test. Yeah. Cool. This announcement, I think we already covered it. July test takers, then cancelers. You're not going to get reimbursed for September. You can take a free one between October 2019 and April 2020, but you can't get your money back for that September test. Yeah. Which is a bit of a bummer. Ready for this uh awesome, overly lengthy LSAC email?
1: Yeah. Alternatively, we could just tell everybody what... The ultimate rules are.
0: Yeah, it's always fun to kind of make fun of LSAT emailing, <laughs> LSATs emails. Yeah. but yeah, let's we we got we've got it we got a lot to get through today, so maybe we should just uh, get to the the details. I mean, so here's the thing: you
1: should we maybe we should read this at least this first paragraph. I'm just reading this sentence right now. Based on our estimates, this policy will impact a small number of people, less than one percent of all LSAT test takers. Like, wow, they've really. They really do their due diligence on some level and then not on others.
0: <laughs> it was funny on the Facebook group, uh, by the way, thinking else App podcast group on Facebook, you can join and just kind of bullshit about all this stuff with the other listeners. But everybody was like, they were, they, I actually made a couple of comments, responses to people's comments because everybody was freaking out. Like this thing was giving them so much anxiety. Mm hmm. And I was just like, listen, this is not a big deal. This is not going to change the game for anybody. Yeah. It seems like a big deal, but it's it's just really not a big deal. Should we read it? Yeah, well, we can read it. And just
1: to provide a little historical context here, yeah. a long time ago, you could only take three tests, three official LSATs in two years. After the, that two-year p- period expired, you could then start taking the test again but you were limited to three times in a two-year fr- time frame and then they took that away and you could take the test as many times as you wanted
0: and that was like about a year and a half ago or something like that, that they got rid of that restriction yep and it was like good because that's un- unnecessarily complicated anyway yeah to have this rolling three times in any two-year window thing was like people were having to all the time strategize about like well, do I get to take it again or not? Or like whatever. And then they just got rid of it. It's like, well, good. Yeah. Okay. And then they replaced it with a much more complicated. (laughs) Seriously complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah, let's read it. So now you're caught up. This is what LSAC is saying
0: today. It says, dear LSAT registrant. You are receiving this communication because you have taken or have registered to take the LSAT in the 2019-2020 testing year. Oh my gosh. We want you to know that LSAC is committed to providing a fair and equitable testing program and maintaining the integrity of the LSAT. We will be updating our test-taking limit policy later this summer, and it will go into effect with the September 2019 LSAT administration. We are still finishing up the final details of the new policy, but we know that there has been a lot of conversation on social media recently, so we wanted to share the basic elements in an effort to reduce the speculation and any anxiety. Based on our estimates, this policy will impact a small number of people, less than 1% of all LSAT test-takers. That M dash, you don't put spaces around an M dash. Interesting. In effect, starting with the September 2019 test administration, test takers would be permitted to take the LSAT. And then we got bullet points. First bullet point, three times in a single testing year. Can I I stop for a half second?
1: (laughs) Yes. I wish. So aside from the fact that almost all of that first paragraph should have been deleted, maybe the entire thing. I think it would have been so funny. Who wrote this email? Oh, it's just from the law school admission council. Yeah. It would have been hilarious if they had said (laughs) starting with the September 2019 test or LSAT, the following conditions (laughs) must follow or something, you know, like,
0: (laughs) yeah, well, (laughs) we were kind of laughing about this last time. It's like, this is totally, absolutely an LSAT logic game. Yeah. When we get through these rules, I'll ask a couple of questions and then the listeners will be able to um, do some LSAT logical, some puzzling. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So three times in a testing year and then parentheses, the testing year goes from June one to May 31st (laughs) because of course they can't just use calendar years. No. So it's three times in any testing year, which is from June 1st to May 31st. Okay. (laughs) The next bullet point, you can take it five times within the current And five past testing years, parentheses, the period in which LSAC reports scores to law schools. I wonder, I didn't even notice that. Does that mean it's a six year thing? Yeah, I think it is. Current and five past. I bet that turns out, I bet they're going to end up just making that five years. They're, They're being clunky with current and five past. I bet they mean just five most recent years. I mean, that's what it seems like it would mean, because
1: if that's the period in which the LSAC reports the schools, I don't know why they would make this six years, but. Right. Yeah. Right. As it's written, it sounds like
0: six years. Right. So next rule, a total of seven times over a lifetime. (laughs) So three times in one year, five times in five or six years. It's unclear. Seven times in your life. This policy is forward-looking, not retroactive. Tests taken prior to September 2019 will not count against these numerical limits. Numerical limits.
1: (laughs) What other kind of limits are we talking about?
0: (laughs) And then it goes on. In addition, test takers would not be permitted to retake the LSAT if they have already scored a 180 within the current and five past testing years, the period in which LSAC reports school scores to law schools. This policy will be applied retroactively. Mm. So sorry to all the LSAT teacher nerds who take the test over and over to show how many 180s they can get. You're not allowed to do that anymore. There will be an appeals process for test takers who have special circumstances and want to request an exception to this policy. Because, of course, there has to be an appeals process for everything. We hope that this helps to address many of the questions. We will provide more detail in the weeks ahead. And then they give a phone number, email address, blah, blah, blah. What, what more detail do they need to provide? <laughs> so I posted some of this on Facebook, but first of all, I do not think that this even impacts 2020 test takers at, or 2020 applicants at all. People who want to go to law school in 2020, I don't think this affects you.
1: Yeah, because if you take it three times, September, October, November, that's really when you want to be. Ending your LSAT test taking anyway, because you should be applying. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, You should be applying this fall if you want to go to law school next fall. So uh, if you're hearing this now and you want to go to law school starting in 2020, no big deal. You still have a full, no matter how many times you've taken it in the past, you can still take it in September, October, and November without violating this policy at all. How many times can you take it, Ben, if you want to start law school in 2021?
1: Mm. Well...
0: Starting right, so right now we still have the July test
1: in front of us. So you could take it in July and then you could take it three more times between September and the end of May, June 1st. Let's just say June 1st. So that's four times at this point, right? Because you could take it in July and then you could take it four times between September and June 1st. And then since the testing year has now reset, you could take it two more times before you apply. So for a total of six times, if you include the July L side, <laughs> that's right. How many people are planning on that? Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like, if you're not going to law school, this, if you are going to law school, this cycle, it doesn't impact you. And if you're going to law school next cycle, it only impacts you if you were planning to take it seven or eight times.
1: Yeah. Now, if so, you don't take
0: July, you can take it Five times, but that's still a lot of times. That's more times than most people should need to take it. I mean, I would think that 1% of the people would need to take it that many times. Yeah. If you're taking right? it that
1: we, many times, you, you jump the gun most likely.
0: Yeah, exactly. You weren't, you weren't prepared your first time and that's the big mistake. You just have to get fully prepared before you start burning up. Not only, you know, your attempts, but you start burning up $200 every time you take the test and wasting a Saturday, you know? So, all right. Anyway, I don't think that's any big deal. Email help at com if you want to uh, (laughs) talk about this, but I I just, I don't think it's any kind of a big deal.
1: I would say the bottom line here is that for the vast majority of people, you're basically limited to taking the test five times because you're not going to stretched us out over six years or five years or whatever. And so you either have to take it three times or five or at most three times or at most five times, depending on when you plan to apply. And so just keep that in the back of your mind. And that's a good number anyway, right? Like we, we've been telling people plan to take it two, three times. And that's basically what you're allowed to do now. And you have two more chances if you don't
0: make it all happen in those three shots. Totally. All right. Ready to do this. Uh, well, do you think we have time for this pearl or should we just jump into the other stuff? I'm happy to skip it. We can do it. next Okay. Week. Let's come back to it. If we have time, I it, it's actually, I think I just glanced through it and it's a good one. We might actually have a pearl. Ooh, next okay. Time. Yeah. All <laughs> yeah. right. All right. Personal statement time. Yeah, let's do it. Read that email.
1: Hi, Ben and Nathan. I would appreciate if you could review my personal statement. It's a first draft and pretty rough. Feel free to tear it apart and destroy my self-esteem. <laughs> Sabrina. Okay. Uh,
0: well. Our goal is not to ruin your self-esteem. Nope. Our goal is to help to improve your, your writing, your thoughts, and your, and your writing, and your message. I know that it can
1: be pretty harsh sometimes, and it's easy for us to laugh at these things, but hopefully you can laugh with us because it's a lot better. It's going to be painful. Sabrina, and you know it, and that's why you sent this in, and that's great, actually. You know this is going to be painful, but it's going to be so much less painful than if you submit it to an application committee, and they just deny you, and you have no idea why. Do you want me to read this? Yep. All right. I began my college career guessing at my future. Hmm. Okay, your first sentence is your most important sentence, and this sentence says, I'm lost, and I'm a freshman in college. So that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a freshman in college walking around campus wondering
0: what to do with your life. It's also, yeah, and it's also like boring. It's like, it's very mundane because who didn't begin their college career guessing at their future? Sure. Like 90% of people who think they know what they want to do when they start college actually have no clue anyway. Yep. So I read that and I'm like, you and everyone else, best case I'm picturing you as a kid, bright eyed and just full of hope, <laughs> but no, <laughs> you're still a kid, you know, and worst case, I'm like, you're wasting my time. This is boring. Like what I need, I need to know more about you. Yeah. So just, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about this first sentence for everyone's
1: personal statement, because it is the most important sentence. The second most important sentence in my mind is the last sentence. But if you, don't, if you don't pull them in, they're not going to get to the end. And you have to pull them in here. The next sentence continues. Because of my experience in journalism in high school, I knew that
0: it was a subject that I enjoyed and wanted to learn more about. I mean, I think your third most important sentence is probably your second sentence. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It's like, you better, you gotta, you gotta pull me in here. And now we took a step back from college to high school. We're going, yeah. Back in time. And it's like, okay, so you were on your high school paper and you, you know, it's like, it's one of these things where it's like, oh, no shit. You were interested in something in high school. And then you thought about pursuing it when you went to college. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, everyone does that. Like what so what? We want to know what you did. And so far we've just heard about what you've thought. Like I went to college and picked a major. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so did every single person. Sabrina, take heart though. Almost everyone's first paragraph, maybe first two
1: or three paragraphs gets cut. <laughs> right? I don't think we ever, it's like people take time to warm up. They need to warm up and get into what they actually have to say. And then once you find your voice, you say, okay, cut that previous stuff. This is where you start.
0: Yep. Totally. Totally. We'll we'll keep looking. We'll find her first sentence. I bet it'll be in here. Yeah. Yeah. Halfway through the second paragraph. It'll be here. Yep. I focused my coursework on journalism and pursued that route.
1: Okay. Cut it. Cut it. Cut it. Yep. We could see all this from your uh, transcript. However, yep. after learning about the First Amendment, public records, and media law, I decided to switch my focus to protecting journalists rather than becoming one. Hmm. Okay, so you're explaining why you chose the major you chose. I can see this is somewhat tying into why you want to go to law school. Okay, well, we'll see what you have to say.
0: Yeah, I'm interested now, but I'm also real skeptical because that sounds like, that sounds like a big claim that needs to be supported, right? Yeah. Like that makes it sound like she's already a lawyer. Hmm. Like how much do you really know about the First Amendment? You haven't been to law school. Yeah. And wait, you've been protecting journalists? Holy shit. Like how did you do that? Yeah. She continues in the second paragraph. I
1: research access. I, well, okay. Whoa. You're doing something. Let's see yeah. what's going on here. I research access to public records and university policies at public universities across the country with the Brechner Center for, for freedom of information. Okay. Uh, this sentence is wordy and, and, and needs to be, I think a little clearer, but this sounds like a much better first sentence. I still don't like research. It's a little passive, but if that's what you're doing and this is important, well, let's see what else you say.
0: Yeah. This is like, but the, the, the stark contrast between the first paragraph and the second paragraph where the first paragraph, we see a kid who doesn't know anything like what I don't care, whatever.
1: Yeah. We don't need to know that
0: you went through this process
1: because everyone does. I'm still going through it right now. Yeah, totally. Eventually, I'll figure out what to do with my life. But the fact that you say, yeah, like just cut that whole first paragraph and just say, this is what I do. We're like, oh, cool. Clearly, you have become interested in this and clearly
0: you are pursuing it. Yeah. In the second paragraph, it's all of a sudden like, oh shit, she's like a badass. Yeah. Like, whoa. Like, Like someone (laughs) has hired
1: you to do this stuff that seems significant.
0: And it actually is lawyer adjacent, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, this is clearly like law related. If you just start right in with like, here's what it's like to do these freedom of information requests or whatever, Mm -hmm. I'm totally into this. Yeah. Yeah. This is good.
1: I request public records and research university policies on the internet to examine the variety of policies that public universities have regarding releasing information that would be considered a public record if requested from a state government or the federal government. (laughs) okay your first sentence and your second sentence of this paragraph were both too wordy even though your first sentence was half the length it's just still like i don't know you're saying a lot of stuff here without
0: saying anything two two tips there i mean y'all need to just stick to like a hard word limit of probably 30 words per sentence this one i did a quick word count 41 words there yeah you just, you can't, you can't do that. You can't get away with that. You can, you can always cut that into two sentences. The other thing, this is Ben's tip, but I love it. Uh if you would have printed this out and read it out loud, you would have run out of breath while you were reading that sentence, just like Ben was doing. Yeah. And if you run out of breath reading the sentence, then you realize that like that shit needs to be cut down. So there's a lot here to work with. Like just, oh my God, keep telling me what you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So one thing you say here is, I request public records and research university policies on the internet. Like, this could possibly be two different. Totally. Sentences. What is uh, like researching or requesting public records in itself could be a whole focus of one individual's job. Like, they go get records. What are they
0: getting them for? In any case. Yeah. Also request the, I think doing these pub to me, it sounds like these public records request requests are mm-hmm. much more interesting researching university policies on the internet. That doesn't sound, that doesn't sound like, I mean, if you were doing the, if you're doing research in like Lexis, Nexus or something, then okay. But if you're doing, you're just this now, It sounds that kind of just sounds like you're Googling shit.
1: Yeah. You sound like an intern, which
0: yeah. you might be, and that's fine. But Let's focus on, but then it's just not that impressive of research, right? Like, are you publishing research? If you're publishing research, then just say that. Yeah. Or maybe it's already reflected on your resume, but otherwise, I don't know. Like maybe we just cut out the research bit and just only talk about what it's actually like to do these requests. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Okay. So you're, you're researching these policies to examine the variety of policies. Why are you trying to examine the variety? You want to know what the
0: variety, you want to know how many different policies there are out there? Yeah, trying to get the scope of policies or I don't know. It's interesting. There's something to work with here for sure. Well, I want to know why she's examining the variety
1: of policies so that we can see the purpose. Like I think Mm -hmm. you've done a good job of showing us that you're doing things, but we need to find out why this is significant and how this protects Journalists, okay, to examine the variety of policies that public universities have regarding releasing information that would be considered a public graphic record if requested from a state government or the federal government. Okay, so that definitely needs to be cut down. hmm, okay. So you want to figure out what their policies are in these situations. Through this research, I have spoken with resident assistants at universities and university newspaper staff to understand how public universities prevent the media from speaking with
0: staff. Okay. Oh, well, that part actually. So now that's not just like researching on the internet. No. The fact that you're now like making phone calls, talking to RAs, talking to university paper you know reporters from university papers or whatever staff that's kind of interesting right like this is interesting getting out there into the world yeah asking people some tough questions maybe i'm sure that the school you know if people who work for the schools do not like talking about the ways that they stop the media from asking them questions no (laughs) right i mean she's out these are tough questions yeah she's rolling up yeah when the paper calls you and they want to look at you know they want to talk to you you know, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we send them over to this gatekeeper who tells them no, basically. Yeah. You know, that's like, a <laughs> that's, that's kind of a touchy, that's a, that's a hard, important issue. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's some, there's a lot here that I like. Yeah. And this could range,
1: like, who knows what kind of issue is when university students get accused of crimes and the oh, university totally. is trying to figure out what happened before
0: they say things to the public or the media. Oh yeah. This is, this is fascinating. Some horrible shit happens on campus at like a frat, you know? And then they reporters start asking questions about the policies for certification of fraternities. And, you know, they get like sloughed off to this PR flack who, you know, tries to defuse the situation and like, isn't really answering questions. And, won't let the reporters come and talk to the people, you know, like, oh, that that's important, interesting stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Cool.
1: The first project I worked on with the Breckner group, Breck, how would you say that? Breckner, Breckner. I'd go Breckner. Yeah. yeah. Breckner center related to universities' policies for RAs speaking with the media. Cool. That's a short sentence. It's easy to follow. I found them. At many public universities, RAs are not allowed to speak with members of the media or they will be fired. The director of the center and I are now writing a paper about if this is constitutional, as there has not been a Supreme Court case regarding RAs' freedom of expression being oppressed. Sorry. Okay, cool. I mean, I I think there's some things you need to work on in terms of your sentences stylistically, but this, this is interesting.
0: Yeah, that word oppressed there is a little bit fraught as well. Like it's a little too, it sounds just that the choice, that word choice there makes it sound like you've already made up your mind. It does. You don't sound neutral. I think people don't
1: realize. I think I think they feel like the person reading their personal statement is going to have the same worldview as they do. Right. But no, it's always good to go in with a little just like, eh, the
0: world is gray mm-hmm. and we're we're writing we're researching the constitutionality of this policy you know <laughs> don't don't want to throw in the these ra's freedom of expression is being oppressed <laughs> like you might believe that but and when it comes to
1: oppressing freedom of expression i think there are much worse cases yeah uh yeah in any case I'm actually surprised this issue hasn't come up. I'm sure that employees have been told not to talk to the media about company policies and things like that.
0: Yeah. RAs are an interesting type of employee though, right? Cause I mean, it's probably just a junior sophomore, junior yeah, senior, something like that living in the dorm, still going to school, but they'll lose their job, but to potentially get kicked out of the dorm, Yeah, because they lost their job because they're not paying for the space, you know, and now they are. Oh, no. If a reporter ever calls you and asks what happened on your floor, you cannot talk to them. You'll be fired. Whoa. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hmm.
1: I also researched whether public universities are considered public forums using policies published on the Internet to determine how certain universities determine if members of the media can come on campus technically you need to say, determine whether members of the media can come on campus. I would cut this whole stuff about published on the internet. I don't think we need to know where where you're finding this. We can just
0: assume the best, like you're, you're digging through. Well, of course the internet is part of your research and it might be 99% of your research, but every time you say on the internet, I just (laughs) see you Googling things and it's like, doesn't it it, really undercut your own point by doing that. Yeah internet by the way is still technically capitalized I
1: believe. Oh. Yeah. Kind of old school. Well, just don't you don't need to worry about that. But yeah. Just don't put that. <laughs> if you resist our advice on that point, please capitalize it. Which sucks, but the, you know, else, law schools are are old school. Through this research, I found that many universities do not treat campus as a public forum and reserve the right to prevent media from stepping foot On campus, while others are green light campuses, which means they only prohibit speech on time, place, manner restrictions. Uh, That's a little. I I would try to make this more natural speech. Yeah, that's getting a little jargony. Yeah. But yeah, okay. I like, I like the use of green light campuses. It's like shows that you're in the know. But when you define it, just say things like, I mean, actually, it's kind of obvious, but if you are going to define it, say, meaning or which means they, Prohibit speech
0: to certain places, times, places and, time and times, and manners. Instead of that, like weird time dash place dash manner, yeah, thing, yeah. Okay. This research has shown me. By the way,
1: this is a good usage of the word "this." This is a pronoun which refers back to a noun, and people use this, of course, all the time. It makes our language flow better. But the thing that most people do not do is they don't put a noun after the word this. They just say this, right? Like they could say, this has shown me. And the problem Mm. with doing that is that... I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's not necessarily... This could be
0: referring to anything. Yeah.
1: And so I was talking... I I used to work with a journalist and he said... And he was actually award-winning journalist. And he said, every time you use this, put that noun... And it may be obvious to you. It may even be obvious in that particular situation. But by saying the noun, you just make that crystal clear what you're referring back to. Sure. Anyway, so she's done that here, which is great. This research has shown me that the lack of standard standardization among public universities in policies and in determining whether they are part of the government. Uh, I'm not sure I follow that very well.
0: Yeah. I don't like the has shown me. Could it just be this research shows? Yeah. It's present the lack of standardization.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: All right. It's a little wordy. It's a little clunky. I don't know. Let's just maybe move forward. Without this standardization, which I have trouble saying, it
1: is difficult to determine whether certain kinds of speech are allowed. I am now researching data desert deserts. Cool. Okay. In public universities to create a standardized understanding of the role of public universities and
0: the information they must release as public records. I would like to ask some questions about that. You know, that, that seems interesting. You just throw that out there and then don't really explain what a data desert is. Yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm guessing that it's like, Hey, look, here's this spot where we don't have any data. Yeah. And like, if we research that spot, we can sort of infer what's going on by what's not there, right? So much to say, here. but mm-hmm. yeah, you could, I would love to flesh that out. You could cut so much of the other stuff and boil it, boil a lot of it down, but then that would give you room to talk about like that, which sounds like really interesting, important work. By the way, I'm not a fan of changing words just
1: for the sake of changing words. If the best word is research, then that's the best word, but You've said research so many times in this right. statement. I would prefer that you say we looked into, we investigated, we found, we determined. There's so many different ways to basically tell us that you're looking into these things without saying researching yet again. Yeah, you could call it
0: work at some you know, this work, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like that would be yeah, fine. Totally. Just to mix it up a little bit. Sure. She continues I am continuing my research
1: regarding public universities <laughs> work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my work. <laughs> I'm continuing my work regarding regarding yeah, it's kind of a long word. But anyways, uh, regarding public universities as the legis- as the legislative intern for the University of Florida's Office of Federal Relations. I don't know why you need to tell us this. I think we'll see that on your resume. Right. I guess unless you left. Oh yeah. You left this place. Okay. I see. This is a transition. I would probably just say after leaving. So it's very clear where you were, but anyways, in this role, I research freedom of expression and how to make it more prevalent in university policies and on campus. Okay. Again, you're researching through my research. I am finding (laughs) ways to make UF a more diverse environment for ideas and i hope to continue to to, to do this this what this work yeah. as a first amendment attorney in my future no cut that right hmm this is actually super interesting in my mind because now you're on the other side right am i, I University of I'm Florida's just, Office of
0: Federal Relations She's now working for the university. Yes. As a legislative intern Mm -hmm. for the university of Florida's office of federal relations. Interesting. My thing with that last paragraph is that I felt like, again, it was just too much of, of like her politics because now she's trying to make freedom of expression more prevalent She's trying to make UF a more diverse environment for ideas. I kind of liked it a little bit better when I thought of her as a little more neutral, like researcher data scientist type of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. She said research so many times, but now it sounds like she's doing politics, which, okay, fine. Like maybe that is what you want to do. I just don't know that we need, like when you, it somehow, I don't know. Does it, it does it, it kind of cheapens it a little bit when you put in like that bit. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. It,
1: well, I think part of the problem here is that if that's what you're doing, great. But this, this paragraph doesn't say a whole lot. You, it's actually, that's the problem. It's telling, right? I'm this legislative intern. Okay. Fact. Next sentence. In this role, I research freedom of expression and how to make it more prevalent in university policies and on campus. This sentence is so high level that it's essentially telling because we can't, we we just have to believe that that's what you're doing. As opposed to seeing you talk to RAs, seeing you work on a paper about the constitutionality of a particular problem. Like, I have no idea what
0: you do in this office, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she started off that way. She, yeah, she started off in her first paragraph, just far too introductory. And then in this last sentence, she's like trying to be too broad to like encompass everything, you know? Yeah. Finding ways to make UF a more diverse environment for ideas. Like, whoa, that's <laughs> a very high level. Right. Yeah. And we'd rather learn more about you, like not what you want to do, but like what you actually do yeah it feels to
1: me like she's on the other side now she's like working for the university and maybe this is an office within the university that's like pro-media but it sounds mm-hmm. the office of federal relations actually sounds like we gotta manage something i don't know there's so much to say here like cut down your sentences in your first thing jump into the details the facts and then expand on this a little bit. And now we'll see you as this multi part where you've had two jobs and they're both related to
0: freedom of speech without saying freedom of speech. There's a ton to work with here. Yeah. Thanks, Sabrina, for sending this in. This is, uh, there's, there's this is one that if, if we were working on this one in our uh, personal statement review service that we do, I would be very excited. This is like a lot to work with. A lot I'd have to work lots with. of comments yeah. and I'd have lots of questions about like, Hey, can you flesh out this? Can you flesh out this? Like, what does this mean? Can we get, you know, can I have a specific example of this? And I think you'd end up with a very strong statement where she's just hammering like, I do this. I did that. I saw this. I asked that. I think it could be great.
1: Yeah. My, my final thought here, given how much seems to be under the surface is it, again, just illustrates how details, the right details push your story forward. High-level sort of blanket statements don't. They just take up space. You need to get rid of all that stuff. And every sentence needs to give us a detail where you can see you doing something, and that thing needs to be relevant to your professionalism. And when you start giving us that kind of stuff, it just wow, it creates this picture of someone who's a professional badass, as you always say, Nathan, and is doing things. And we can see that. And it doesn't need to take a long time. This is a short personal statement, which is great, but half the sentences here don't push the ball forward.
0: Yeah. Including the entire first paragraph that was just like, you know, meandering around of like, I was in high school and college and I had to pick a major and I didn't know what I, it's like, yeah, yeah, let's get into the story. Yeah. Any final thoughts on Sabrina's personal statement other than thanks? I think
1: there's a lot to work with here. Congratulations. I feel like people are standing up to the challenge to give us a good personal statement to still destroy, but one that has (laughs) not, not just like awful,
0: you know, you know, what's amazing is that her, she said this was like a very rough draft, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Interesting.
0: That's like how the one seventy something students in class always ask questions, like always don't understand things. Yeah. And it's one of the best personal statements I think we've read on the show. And it, she thinks that's, you know, a first draft and pretty rough. And it's like, well, I don't know about that, Sabrina. Yeah. I think you it, wasn't the last gone through that a few times. <laughs>
1: wasn't the last one we read? The person was like, This is this is Pretty good. I popping think. Popping
0: off about how it was polished yeah. and like correctly <laughs> used everything. And then we find typos and then Sabrina's, I don't, boy, did we have a misspelling? Did we have a, uh, incorrect word? Did we have, we had a couple run on sentences, maybe some clunky stuff, but I didn't see anything that was just straight broken.
1: Yeah.
0: She didn't try to use any semicolons. That was good. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on. The LSAC has released a couple new prep tests on its website. And because of that, we get to talk about them freely because you can just go straight to the LSAC website and look them, look at them. Yeah. Look them. So I this like is look them. <laughs> go look them. <laughs> December 2013 test prep test 71. We're going to start hammering through these logical reasoning questions. It's really fun to have new logical reasoning questions that we can talk about uh, on the show. Yeah. I should say that you can find these on LSAT demon as well. So, oh, and you can find these on LSAT Demon.com. Awesome. You want me to read this, uh, yeah, prompt? Go for it. Okay. We are not reading the question stem first because reading the question stem first is ridiculous. How can you answer the question if you haven't even read the argument yet? <laughs> Sometimes you can answer the question without reading the question prompt, or you can have a very good idea what the answer is going to be just from reading the argument, Yeah, but you can never do that from reading the question stem. So we are not reading the question stem first. We're reading the argument first. So here's the argument. It says, several years ago, most of one country's large banks failed and were taken over by a government agency. The agency is now selling these banks, aiming to strengthen the banking system in the process. But the banking system will not be strengthened if the former owners of these banks buy them back... I could stop there, you know, and kind of like let that sink in for a second. Yeah, I can almost predict what they're going to say next or what they should say next. (laughs) What I'm thinking about uh, there is like, oh, yeah, well, these like dirt bags or either, you know, either like they were crooked or they're just terrible at managing the banks. Mm -hmm. That's why they failed. That's why the government had to step in the government now is trying to divest themselves of these banks and uh, sell them back into the you know, public hands, but we don't want to sell it to the same dirt bags or the same idiots. Okay. I get that. That doesn't make, that makes sense to me, mm-hmm. you know, cause they'll just do the same thing again. Yeah. So the agency is unlikely to achieve its goal since blank.
1: What are you thinking? Oh, I'm just screaming in my head just screaming since if they're unlikely to achieve it if the agency is unlikely to achieve its goal and they just told us that selling these banks back to the former owners would not strengthen the banking system, which is their goal. My guess, given these premises, is that those former
0: owners are
1: likely to buy them back.
0: Yep. Like the only possible people who could buy them back are the former owners yeah. or the only bidders are the former owners. Yep. Or there are no other people who could buy the bank. In a million different ways to do that. And you would be able to um, prove that conclusion. Now, I still haven't even read the question stem or the question. Yeah. I haven't read the question stem yet. Yep. I'm just dealing with the argument. hmm. I know that the correct answer is going to be a premise because it says since blank. Yep. Right. The first part of that sentence is, so the agency is unlikely to achieve its goal. So means therefore, and that almost always means, you know, here's my conclusion. Mm -hmm. The conclusion is the agency is not going to achieve its goal of strengthening the banking system since blank. That means we're looking for a premise. Um, This is not a must be true question. People sometimes think that this is just going to be a must be true question. Yeah. And this is not. This is a strengthened question or possibly even a sufficient assumption question. And that's what it turns out to be. It says the conclusion of the argument is properly drawn mm-hmm. if which one of the following completes the passage. Properly drawn means proven. Mm-hmm. And if which one of the following completes the passage basically means if true. Yep. So that question means the conclusion is proven if which one of the following is true. Yep. So on a sufficient assumption question, we have to make the argument win and we've already said, but we mean, we already knew that like we, we knew that that's what was coming. Yeah. And so going into the answer choices, my prediction, I haven't looked at them yet. My prediction is the former owners are the only people who could possibly buy the banks. Yeah.
1: I, I agree with that. I would just add one thing. The goal is to make the argument win, which specifically means the goal is to make the conclusion, the main conclusion of the argument Proven, which is what you were saying earlier, but
0: that's what's going to win specifically, right? Yeah. You have to take the evidence that they have and you have to just like staple it to the conclusion that they are trying to prove. Mm -hmm. It's like summary judgment, right? We're looking for summary judgment for the plaintiff where based on stipulated facts and based on law that is just like clearly controls the case, Mm -hmm. the judge is going to look at it and is going to go, hey, we're not having a trial. You guys already won. Yeah. This is over. There's nothing here. Summary judgment. Boom. Get out. Yeah. And this is a sufficient assumption. Questions are a huge opportunity for everyone. Like I yell at my class all the time. Now you should just never, ever miss a sufficient assumption question. Necessary assumption questions. I think are a lot trickier. Mm -hmm. Not to say that you can't get all those ones right too, but sufficient assumption questions I think you can get to a point where you're just never going to miss it because you're going to be so good at predicting. Like you've got to feel that click where it's like this one makes the argument win. Yeah. That's what we're going for. Yeah. So a says the agency may be unable to sell some of the banks. Uh Yeah. I mean, that's like, we're not leaving that open for consideration. The answer is going to say the former owners are the only people who could possibly buy the banks. Yep. That's not what A says, so A's out. (laughs) Like, I don't care what it says. I'm doing the test actively. B, a single company could buy more than one of the banks. Whoa. So what? (laughs) Yeah, it's just, we know the answer, and that's not it. C, the country's overall economy is not much stronger than it was when the large banks failed. Again, (sighs) we need to know that these former owners... (laughs) D. The banks sold by the agency will be financially weaker than the country's other banks for some time. It's like a strengthener, you know. Mm. But but it's like it's also just not connecting the evidence in the argument to the conclusion that we're really trying to prove. It doesn't. It like okay. I guess that kind of makes it look like their the economy the the banking system isn't going to get stronger. But even then, it's like so bad, right? Because it's like the banks will be
1: weaker. What does that have to do with the banking system? Does that mean that the system yeah, will be weaker?
0: I have no idea. Not necessarily the same thing, yeah. but still. I mean, like if this was a strengthened question, and if none of the other answers were any good, sure. I could pick that as a strengthener. I see it as a strengthener. But this is not just a strengthen question. Sufficient assumption questions are super strengthener questions. Yep. Where you have to strengthen the argument beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yep. So it either wins or it's not the right answer. Mm-hmm. And E says, all of the bidders for the banks are their former owners. Oh, By the way, <laughs> that's not necessary. So this is
1: overkill. It's, yep. un, it's not necessary that all the bidders for the banks are their former owners. But if this is true, bam, the argument wins. And that's the question. So sometimes people shy away from answers like this because like, well, wow, it's so extreme. That doesn't need to be true. You're absolutely right. It doesn't need to be true. It just has to be likely that, The bidders for the banks are their former owners because the conclusion said the agency is unlikely to achieve its goal, not really not the possibility that it could still do so. But when people are like, oh, I didn't like this answer because it was too strong and it's a sufficient assumption question, you just have to say, okay, you don't understand the goal. The goal is to find the strongest way to win. And if you have to, it's like those games, you know, when your kid comes home and they're like, Oh, what was the score? And it's like, well, the other team had 18 points and we had three. And you're like, why didn't the other coach stop them? It doesn't matter. In a sufficient assumption question, the correct answer can just bury the other team. It can, it's going to win, win, win. I hope that analogy made sense.
0: Yeah. It's (laughs) your overkill is great on a sufficient assumption question. There's no such thing as too strong of an answer or like an answer that proves too much is never going to be wrong on a sufficient assumption question. We're looking for the biggest possible hammer we can find to, to move the argument the most, you know, it's like pounding in a nail with a sledgehammer. It's like, okay, well that's too much, but yep, that'll do it. Yep. And it's just, it's such a big opportunity. You got to start predicting the answers on these sufficient assumption questions, by the way, you know, to back off of that, even a step further, we knew the answer before we even read the question. It's just the only thing that could logically fit into that blank. They gave evidence. They gave a conclusion. What could they possibly have meant? Oh, you must mean that the other bidders are the same people. Mm-hmm. Cool. Anything else on that? Yeah. No. All right. We will get back into these logical reasoning questions. We should probably just start doing one every episode until we're done with them. Yeah, they're fine. How many, how many tests did they release? Three. Oh, shit. So we got 150 questions. <laughs> wow. So <laughs> wrap this up around episode 350 of the show. Great. 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 Gives us lots to talk about. Anything else before we wrap it up, Ben? That's all. Okay, check out the uh, Thinking Elsat podcast group on Facebook. Give the Thinking Elsat Facebook page a like while you're there. Search for at Thinking Elsat. We're at Thinking Elsat on Instagram, Thinking Elsat on Twitter. I'm in Fox on Twitter. Ben is at Olson Benjamin on Twitter. Go to LSATDemon.com and do a seven-day free trial. Reminder, uh, Sunday, June 20th, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be doing a proctored, uh, virtual live proctored exam via zoom and the LSAT demon. So sign up for your free trial and you'll be able to do a test with some other folks across the country and then hang out after the test and, uh, and virtually review it with your new friends. I think that could be extremely useful for people who are stuck out in Nebraska or whatever. Yeah.
1: And to do that test, you just need a, a free trial account or an active demon
0: subscription, uh, either regular
1: or premium? doesn't matter.
0: Cool. That was show number 198. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.